I'd like to welcome you to the Jed Hughes Podcast. Each episode will feature a unique leader and will delve into the qualities that inspire greatness, galvanize organizations, and teach the next generation of aspiring leaders. Jed ran the process that resulted in the hiring of Pete Carroll, Jim Harbaugh, Andy Reid, Masai Uzuri. Now, according to Forbes, Jed is the most connected man in sports. Our guest today, Catherine Carson, has had an incredible impact on young women. Growing up as the child of a military parent and traveling the world, Catherine went from Mount Holyoke to earning a law degree, moving into corporate law, and then almost 25 years at PepsiCo, where she negotiated some of the most amazing deals with superstar entertainers and sports leagues. Whether it had been Madonna or the National Football League, Catherine was center stage. When it came to the horrific abuse of women gymnasts, Catherine was part of the team at USA Gymnastics as a board member working closely to negotiate the settlement for the victims. Our guest, Catherine Carson. Welcome, friends. We've got really an interesting guest today. I mean, things going on in the world. We've got a war going on. On the other hand, sports has been a driver for us. Uh, and when things go bad, we turn to sports. But rarely do we have an incident that occurred with USA Gymnastics. So our guest today uh, is the chairman of the board of USA Gymnastics and helped negotiate the settlement for the young women that were violated. So, Catherine, thanks for joining us. And uh, really want to dig into how you ended up in this role but beginning with your background of how you navigated you know, some really blue chip companies and worked your way into sports. Um, for people that like and love sports, they don't, they don't always know what the way is to get in it. So you being able to take us through your journey would be helpful. Well, Jen, it's great to be here with you. And thank you so much for those very kind words. I certainly would begin by agreeing with you that it's it's a day where most of us wake up every day and think about what's happening in other parts of the world. And I feel privileged to be where I am doing what I am. And sport is something that can um, lift up our, our hearts and our minds and our souls during a time like this. So I, I agree with you. In terms of my background, I, well, first of all, I'll, I'll be happy to tell you some of the things that I think are formative about me. I'm an Air Force brat. I moved around many, many times, which I think did help create some agility for me in terms of being able to navigate different kinds of situations. Lived in lots of um, different places, went to high school in Germany, um, and then went to college at Mount Holyoke, which you and I have discussed briefly before, but it's a women's uh, four-year women's college. And I think that that was a place that was very formative for me, a place where everything was by and for women. And I think I started to think about what I could do 
uh, in my career and being a leader even at that early time. Mount Holyoke piece, you and I discussed that before. We had a history with it because my mom graduated from Mount Holyoke. So when, when I saw that, we discussed it, a special place in my heart for understanding that they've still stayed single sex and have not uh, gone co-ed. Yeah, no, it's great. It's a great place. Uh, still going strong today. Great, a great option for a lot of people. They've become a, a much more global education and institution than they used to be, which means that young women who go there can spread their wings even further. But um, anyway, I went on to, um, during my time there, I was inspired by a professor to, uh, I studied a con law class and decided I wanted to go to law school. I spent um, a Washington internship in D.C., which is the reason why I decided to go to law school in Washington, D.C., at the George Washington University. And um, to this day, I think that spending time in the Capitol is just a wonderful thing for anybody to just be so close to democracy in the making, if you will. And even during hard times and polarizing times, I think, uh, you know, being in that space is helpful to appreciate what, what we have in this country. So I did that for a few years and started my career at a law firm in Manhattan and got some great training there. It was, it's called Alexander and Green. It, it doesn't involve and uh, doesn't exist any longer, uh, but um, got the opportunity very early, was recruited to go become a junior lawyer at PepsiCo. And I, in many ways, I feel like that was the beginning of the career path I've been on ever since. It was a great chance to go there as an entry-level lawyer, great global company. I think everybody recognizes that. And at the beginning, I was um, just a very junior lawyer working with crazy market marketeers with all kinds of ideas that they wanted to bring to market. And it, it couldn't have been more fun. I didn't, um, I couldn't believe they were paying me to do what I did back in those days. But uh, to make a long story short, I was at PepsiCo for 25 years and was ultimately uh, the general counsel of the beverage business there. And after 25 years, I retired and that's Explain really what that means to be working on the beverage side and the kinds of uh, negotiations and, and opportunities that you were sitting in the middle of. Honestly, an incredibly wide range of things. I mean, in the earlier years, I was negotiating contracts with Michael Jackson and Tina Turner and David Bowie and Madonna and Britney Spears. It was so much fun. Um, and those were critical properties for Pepsi. So while I make it sound like fun, they were not easy negotiations with big LA attorneys, but we got them done. Um, Can you talk it, about one of them that was really <laughs> challenging that you really felt good that you got done so the audience can understand what you well, go through when you're dealing with the agents in Hollywood and and the like? And then when we get to the sports piece. You know, I um, and and I did negotiate a lot of sports property deals as well. I, I'd have to call out um, Madonna. I think that not because the negotiation was hard. I mean, the tough points on the negotiations were really mostly money, and the artists attempting to limit the the amount of exposure they were having in connection with our brand. I mean, they wanted to put their music forth in our commercials, but they might not want to touch or consume the product. So we had those kinds of conversations. But I only referenced Madonna at this point many years later because we had an interesting situation emerge and some people, older people will remember this, which is that she, um, we were the first to air her commercial, uh, her song, Like a Prayer. It first came out to, to the American public in our commercial in both radio spots and TV spots. She released her music video a couple days later and it had scenes of her 
um, in a church setting, you know, maybe kissing a statue or something like that. And many, many people were highly offended. Um, and we had situations where major uh, American companies were thinking of boycott boycotting our products. It was tough. <laughs> and we had to, we did um, halt using the commercials and then had to have a second negotiation with her to pay her what she thought she was earned. So, you know, things like that don't happen as often in today's commercial setting, but it was very challenging. I will tell you, I was a very young person. Um, I was 28 years old and nine months pregnant when I settled our difficulty <laughs> with Madonna. So there's the side story. Well, talk about sport. You talked about sports properties. Talk about the one you've really felt proud of accomplished. In around, um, I won't get this year exactly right, but in around 2010, we expanded our uh, contract with the NFL. We had been doing business with them for a while, but we expanded our contract across all of the PepsiCo properties. So Pepsi, Gatorade, Frito-Lay all became joint sponsors, if you will. Um, and it was a very, very large. You bundled all those together. We did. We bundled them together and we were able to with the help of, of Casey Wasserman and some some other outside resources, we were able to bring that all together. And it was really in the, you know, a mega deal if there ever was one and one which I'm so proud today, you know, continues every time we watch the halftime show. We all, uh, we all know Pepsi's a sponsor. So who did you have to negotiate with the NFL? At this point, I guess I probably wouldn't name names, but obviously they have, uh, you know, very senior people who are negotiating these property, property deals and you know, that it would go up to the very top of their leadership as well. So Ryan, obviously Roger would get involved in those. Roger would, def Roger would definitely know about something like that. I probably wasn't on the phone with him directly too many times, but he was paying close attention. What's a deal like that worth? In today's world, I'm not even sure I could put a number on it. But then it was, you know, well into the uh, tens of millions on an annual basis. You retire. Did you have a golf interest growing up? I it's a it's a funny story. My father tried to put a golf club into my hands when I was about 15 years old. And I was I'm a left-handed person and he gave me a right-handed golf club and I couldn't swing it. And I used it as an excuse not to play golf because I did not want to at all as a 15-year-old girl. Many years later, when I found some time on my hands after a busy career and, and uh, raising a couple kids when I didn't have time for golf, I started to play and I just, I fell in love with the sport. So during, I had a brief hiatus between PepsiCo and my next job. And during that time is when I, I found time to play golf and I, I loved it. And so I'm looking for the next kind of gig. I'm thinking that I want to be the general counsel of another organization. And one day, um, a recruiter from a, a big national firm calls me up and she says, well, I've just you know, gotten the opportunity to place the chief legal officer role at the United States Golf Association. And you've got all the right skills. I mean, they were looking for people who had sports property background, commercial background, interestingly, antitrust background, because they, they do some equipment standards work and they, they want to do that the right way. Um, and so and I've been a general counsel. So she's very hesitantly kind of describing this to me because the opportunity she's describing to me is so different from what I've done huh. and it's very different. So it's a not-for-profit company. It's down in New Jersey. It's, it's relatively small compared to what I did at PepsiCo. And she reveals that it's the United States Golf Association. 
And I just started laughing out loud at her. I said, do you have any idea how much I love golf? And she had no idea. <laughs> so <laughs> I was immediately interested and um, very happy to say that I'm sure there was a slate of other people, but I was able to get that job. Because then you built a relationship uh, with the woman that happens to be running uh, the United States Olympic Committee and Paralympic. That is true, Jeb. Um, Sarah Hirschland. I think was actually kind of the person in-house at USGA at the time who was running the search. And so, you know, she helped to select me and we became um, really great colleagues, fierce compatriots, I would say, um, as we really were going down a journey at USGA at the time, trying to build a strong strategic plan, transform the culture, do a lot of things differently to serve golf. And uh, I worked very closely with Sarah. I, I admire her greatly. As we discussed the last time, Michael Wong is now over at the USGA, who I recruited to go to the LPGA. So, so the environment that you joined, I think, is going to be much different with Mike, with Michael at the helm. Wow. I'm thrilled for Mike. I sent him a note as soon as I heard about it. He's a great guy. He has boundless energy. Obviously, he's done great work uh, on behalf of women in golf. He's led a very strong global tour, and there are just a lot of things about what he's done that will, will really help the USGA, I believe. Well, talk about uh, how you ended up on the board of USA Gymnastics. It's, I, it's kind of, I kind of feel like it was serendipity another time. After five years at the USGA, we had um, completed a couple of strategic initiatives that I was involved in. And I decided that I was at a point in my career where, where I wasn't, I was, I was sort of a pre-pandemic visionary. I didn't want to sit in an office five days a week any longer. So I was looking for other things to do. And I was going to try to be on some boards. Within a few weeks after I left USGA in December of 2017, many people will remember January of 2018 as a time when the, the crisis of Larry Nasser and the crimes that he committed really was on all of our television sets or on our screens uh, because 150 um, incredibly brave women stood up in a public courtroom and told their personal truths to Larry Nasser about how he had ruined their lives. And I was watching all that. And it was only um, a week or two after that, that I received an email from the U.S. Uh, Olymp Paralympic, Olympic and Paralympic Committee, we call them the USOPC, asking whether I would like to put my name into um, a pool of people who would be considered for the board, the new board of USA Gymnastics, because they had asked the prior board to leave. So in a very short period of time, I had this opportunity uh, in front of me, and I did have quite a conversation with myself even then, because I understood exactly. I couldn't fully understand how deep the crisis was, but I knew that it was a very tough challenge. And it spoke to me on, on several levels, and I decided to throw my name into the hat. And within about four or five months, I was informed that I had been selected to, to help lead that organization from a, a very dark place. So talk about what you can publicly in terms of how those negotiations went, uh, whether you met with the individual women that had been uh, affected and, and uh, violated and how you then negotiate, or who are you negotiating with in order to be able to reach well, a settlement? Let me just begin by saying that 
our organization, I think, made the only decision they could um, in the fall of, of 2018 after the USOPC had filed a complaint to decertify us as the NGB, National Governing Body. Uh, we were deep in crisis and the lawsuits were flowing in every day. And so we decided to file in bankruptcy. So I'm, I'm setting the table for you um, in order to create a space where the lawsuits would be put on hold and we could negotiate with the various lawyers for the survivors and hopefully settle the claims. Um, as a board, it was our absolute biggest priority to do that. We wanted to hold ourselves accountable, and, and we thought that was so important for the survivors, hopefully to enable them to go on with their lives, but for our organization to come out of a dark place and carry on. So so basically, the parties are um, on one side, defendants in the lawsuits were both us and the USOPC. Uh, together, we probably had 10 different insurance carriers, which were the um, intended pools of funds um, to reach this settlement. And um, a number of different plaintiff's lawyers on the other side, because this was not a class action. So the survivors were represented by many different people. They were led primarily by a fellow by the name of John Manley in terms of how the survivors themselves were present in the process. There was a committee of nine of them who were, um, were very uh, brave and good to step forward and be willing to dedicate their own time to be the representatives for all 500 survivors through this process. And I always have to stop and pause on that number. I mean, by filing in bankruptcy, everyone had a timeline to file their claims, and, and that's over 500 is where that number landed. So those were the parties. We obviously had lawyers on our side as well. And we, um, I think we spent 20 different days of um, mediation. Some of those were virtual. Um, sometimes the survivors came, um, and other times, uh, you know, it was more just the lawyers. I cannot talk at all about what happened within those sessions. Um, I'm very happy to say and very appreciative, as I did, that there was a group of nine survivors who, who led this process on their side. And myself and Lili Leung, our CEO, were the people who really, um, you know, led it on, on the side of USA Gymnastics. Sarah Hirschland was involved along with her lawyers. Um, and it was a long and painful process as any of these things are because, you know, the insurance companies just aren't prepared to value these claims the way the survivors and we believed that they should be. And, um, you know, just to give people a sense, uh, we did file a plan in bankruptcy with a $220 million settlement a couple of years ago. And that gives people a bit of a benchmark for where we were for a long time. We ultimately settled in December for $380 million. $380 million. Wow. And is there a, is, is, is it weighted with each person or does it depend on, on uh, how, how each person's case was or how, how is, has the money distributed? It's such a painful thing to even think about what each and every one of these um, girls and, and women went through. Um, but what happens in a case like this most often is that the lawyers for the survivors appointed an expert to collect information from the survivors about the abuse they had endured. And to your point, you know, there is sort of a, a sliding scale created. And so the money goes into a pool and it's on their side of the table to decide how it then gets distributed. So as you look at going forward, what's next on your 
agenda to be able to make a difference like you have in whether it's been in the corporate world or the non-for-profit world? Well, you know, first of all, I would say we have some really exciting work that we're still doing at USA Gymnastics. One of the things we agreed with the survivors in our bankruptcy plan is that we are going to work very directly with them um, on a restorative justice process, um, which is intended uh, to look back a little bit and make sure we understand the bad things that happened that enabled bad things to happen. Um, the survivors will help take a peek under our tent and make sure they feel that we have the right people doing the right work. Um, but I think very importantly, outreach to survivors and our entire gym gymnastics community to find ways to try to heal together and move together forward. I mean, we agreed to put a survivor on our board and on a couple of the safety-related um, subcommittees that we have. So uh, while Survivor hasn't been named yet, we're really excited about that body of work, and I wanted to, to mention it. In terms of me personally, I, I would love to do something more in sport because I've just found this is an, a really passionate area for me. Um, but I, would, I, I think I would enjoy serving on a business board as well in a space that's kind of brand and consumer-facing, um, something that... Uh, that gets people excited. I had the great fortune of doing that at Pepsi for so long, and now I have the great fortune of being in sport. And so um, I think there's there's sort of a, a happy space there. I'd love to do something else in. Well, uh, your contributions, as I mentioned earlier, whether it be on the corporate side and the non-for-profit side, I mean, has got to just give you, I mean, when you sit back, I know we don't do that very often, but the, the type of uh, success and personal gratitude in terms of how you've helped these individuals. I mean, it's it's incredible. I mean, if you think about things that you're going to say you're the most proud of, I mean, that's got to be, I guess, toward the top of your list. It's absolutely at the top of the list, Jed. And I just have to say, and I, I hope I don't cry here, but this is the most, um, you know, often when you give, you get the most rewarding opportunity for yourself. And this is really the, the most rewarding work I've ever done in my life. I feel so gratified that I could take the different experiences, both as a lawyer and as a business leader um, and in sport administration and, and come together here. And, but, you know, it's not about me. Some very, very bad things happened. And um, I'm very grateful to the board that stepped up, to, you know, Lily who stepped up. There are so many people who, who have helped in a, in a dire situation. Well, I really appreciate you joining us today. It's an incredible journey and story and, and heartfelt success that, that you've been able to achieve. So I appreciate you sharing that with our audience today. On Thank vacation, you. no less. Thank you. I'm going to get out and do some skiing. <laughs> well, it, how's the, has the powder been good? It is. We've got fresh snow here in Colorado. Oh, wow. Well, again, thanks for thanks for joining us, and uh, a real pleasure. And looking forward to staying in touch. Thanks. Thank you.